Episode 54, The People of the Promised Land, Part 1. The spies would return from their journey of exploring the Promised Land with a great report of the land and its produce. However, they wouldn't remember the promises that God gave them. Instead, the spies would cause the people to turn against Moses and ultimately God. Why? Because of fear. Fear of the people that lived in the land. Welcome to the History of the Bible. In the last episode, we just talked about the land of Canaan and the physical makeup of the country. This was to give an idea of where things are happening moving forward and where different groups of people are and would settle. Although we won't be going into every single people group yet, we will introduce those that lived in the land and caused the report from the spies to be. When the spies returned from their journey through the land of Canaan, they made the report back to Moses, telling him and all the congregation that the land was full of fruit flowing with milk and honey, meaning that there were plenty of fruit-bearing trees and pasture land for the herds to graze on. But after showing them the fruit that they brought back, grapes, pomegranates, and figs, the spies went right into why they should not go up to take the land. They reported that the people who lived in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. Plus, on top of the cities being fortified and the nations living there being strong, they encountered the descendants of Anak. They also found that the Amalekites lived in the Negev, the south wilderness area. The Hittites, Jebusites, and the Amorites lived in the hill country. This would be the Hebron Hills, Bethel Hills, Samaria Hills, and the Jerusalem Saddle all these people groups lived in. Then, to top it off, the Canaanites themselves lived by the sea and along the Jordan. That meant that most of those other people groups lived in between the Canaanites. As the Negev and hill country were bordered by the coastal plain to the west and the Jordan Valley to the east. This report brought the people of Israel to a panic. However, two men on the spies team gave a different report than the rest. Well, they didn't give any new info, actually. They just reminded the people of the promises that their God had given them, that they would overcome those nations, and even though they were stronger than the Israelites. These two men would be Joshua and Caleb. We'll go into more detail about these two men at a later time, as their story has just begun. When Joshua and Caleb said to the people, Let us go up at once and occupy the land for we will be able to overcome it. The rest of the spies that were on the journey told a bad report to the rest of the Israelites. They told the people that the land, though it may be great for providing for us, the people there will eat us. The people that live there are of great height. They even gave the report that they saw the Nephilims living there and that the spies felt like grasshoppers to them. Wouldn't it have been great to read that despite the odds, the Israelites believed Moses and God, the one who brought them out of Egypt, and they went and conquered the land? Great, but that's not how things happen. When the people heard the report, and then the bad report spreading through camp, the whole congregation raised a cry and wept that night. They didn't stop there. They grumbled against Moses and Aaron, 
and once again wished they were back in paradise in Egypt. Oh yeah, they were enslaved. But this time, instead of wishing just to go back to Egypt and dying in a place they knew, they wished to have died in the wilderness. They complained that they would all be killed by the sword, where their wives and children would become prey to those in the land of Canaan. Their fear would continue to grow, so much so that they began to search for a new leader that would bring them back to Egypt. Out of all the tribes of Israel, only four men stood against the Israelites and called for them to trust the Lord. Only four men, Moses, Aaron, Caleb, and Joshua, trusted the promises of God and knew that the Lord was on their side. They tried to convince the people of this truth. What did the people do? They began not only to throw words at them, but started preparing to throw stones at the four men to stone them to death. It was anarchy. It was only that the Lord showed up in his glory that stopped the Israelites from stoning their leaders. It was at this moment that the Lord spoke to Moses, saying that because of the people's rebellion, he was going to destroy all of them and make Moses a greater nation. The Lord would remove the Israelites from the earth through pestilence, as it says in Numbers 14, verse 12. This is where Moses really comes forth as a figure of Jesus in history. Even though all the Israelites were in their sin, rebelling against God and Moses, Moses interceded for them, reminding the Lord of his promise to those people and then in his love to forgive those that rebelled against him. Moses stood between the imperfect people of Israel and the all-holy God and asked for the Lord to forgive the people. Jesus does this for us. We have all rebelled in our lives in some shape or form. Us being imperfect and sinful that prevented us from having the relationship that he desired to have with us because he is a perfect and holy God. So to fix the gap, Jesus came and died on the cross to be an intercessor for us so that we could have the relationship with God. That is what Moses did. He interceded for the Israelites so that they could still have a relationship with God, which the Lord did forgive the Israelites for their rebellion. However, it still came with the consequences of their action. None of the men who were 20 years and older that were around to see the miracles and wonders done in Egypt and in the wilderness up to this point were allowed to enter into the promised land. Ultimately, it would only be Joshua and Caleb that would be allowed to enter into land, not even Moses, and we'll find out why at a later time. So the Lord gave the people what they asked for, that they would have at least died in the wilderness rather than be killed by the sword. They were commanded to live in the wilderness for 40 years, a year for each day that the spies were in the land of Canaan. They would all die in the wilderness, and their children would step into the promises that the Lord had given them, those kids that they were so worried about being taken by the people of the land. As for those other ten spies that passed the bad report, well, the Lord killed them by a plague, removing those that spread the negative reports. So Moses told the people that because of their rebellions, plans changed. 
they are going to march right back out in the same direction that they came from and live in tents for the next 40 or so years. But again, the Israelites didn't like this plan either, so they complained again. Realizing their sin, the next morning, they all got up very early in the morning and made a resolution to go and take the land that was promised to them. But it was too late. They already rebelled against the Lord in the first place, and so he gave them what they wanted, death in the wilderness. The next morning, the Israelites prepared for battle. But Moses told them that it was a foolish thing to do because the Lord was no longer with them in taking the land. The time had already passed. The Lord was with them for wandering in the wilderness now. The Israelites, they didn't care. So they went up to the hill country of Hebron without Moses or Ark of the Covenant. And they tried to take the land from the Amalekites and the Canaanites. The battle ended with the Israelites being routed by their enemies. So why were the Israelites so afraid of the people that lived in the land of Canaan in the first place? As we begin to introduce the different people groups and tribes, remember that this is not the last time that they will be seen. Most likely, they will be part of Israel's history for generations to come. Yet, they also play a part in the current history of Israelites conquering the promised land. So just know that as we continue through Israel's history, these tribes and people groups will come back up again. The Amalekites. This group of people lived in the Negev of the land of Canaan. Again, this is the land that is in the southern part of the promised land. And when heading north, it is right before the hill country, sometimes referred to as the wilderness. This land got very little rainfall during the year. However, it would still produce good grazing lands for herds. Because it produced grazing lands, the tribes that lived in the Negev were oftentimes nomad tribes, meaning that they lived on the move, living in tents that really followed the land and the best place for the herds to graze. This isn't the first time that the Israelites ran across the Amalekites. The Amalekites were the first to attack the Israelites while they were journeying through the desert to get to Mount Sinai. This is the battle in which Joshua went out to fight against them, and Moses stood on top of the hill with his arms up. Aaron and Hur supported Moses' arms, because when they were up, Joshua would begin winning the battle. However, when Moses' arms began to fall, Joshua and the Israelites would start to lose the battle. Eventually, the Israelites would win the battle, but because of this surprise attack from the Amalekites, the Lord tells Moses to write down what they did and to remember it, because the Lord was setting the Amalekites up for one day being absolutely destroyed. However, that wouldn't be for a very long time. Now, who and where did the Amalekites come from? The tribe named Amalekites were the descendants of Amalek. He was the grandson of Esau. Eliphaz, the son of Esau, had a son with his concubine who was named Timnah. Although Timnah was Eliphaz's concubine, she was not just another woman. Timnah was from the sister of a chieftain. When Esau and his family moved south, they came in contact with the local tribes there. One of these tribes is where Timnah is from. These are Amalek's parents. 
Malik would eventually become a chieftain himself over the soon-to-become Edomites, as these were the descendants of Esau. However, eventually the Amalekites would separate themselves from the Edomites and become their own tribe, although they would both live in similar areas. As a nomad tribe, many nations would come to know them. The Babylonians, Egyptians, and Armana tablets refer to them. The Armana tablets call the Amalekites the plunderers. So this tribe is known for attacking others in the wilderness, just like they did to the Israelites. The Amalekites wouldn't grow to be much more than a nomadic nation that raided neighboring nations and tribes. We'll see more of the Amalekites later on, especially when the Israelites are coming back into the Promised Land after 40 years of wandering. The next group of people that we'll be talking about is the Hittites. The Hittites have been in the land for a very long time. Abraham bought a cave to bury his wife from a man of a Hittite descent. Esau would marry Hittite women. It wasn't until recently that the mention of the Hittites was only found in the Bible, nowhere else. This caused many to believe that the Bible was full of myths and nations that weren't really real. However, today discoveries have been made to find that the Hittites were a nation of their own, and in reality, they were a very powerful empire at one point in history. The capital city of the Hittites has been found to have over six miles of walls surrounding it. With this many walls, they had many decorated gates, one of these called the Lion Gate because it had a stone lion on either side of its entrance to the city. The lion in Hittite culture was that of protection, defiance, and royalty. It has been discovered that there could be two different people groups when the Hittites are talked about. First off, the Hittites are believed to be the descendants of Heath, the son of Canaan, the great-grandson of Noah. For the most part, they lived farther north in what is now known as Turkey and Syria. As mentioned before regarding the Hittites' capital, it is believed to have been Anatolia, which is located on the peninsula of the land that is today considered the Asian portion of Turkey. This peninsula would also be called Asia Minor, with the Black Sea to the north, the Terrace Mountains to the east and south, and to the west is the Mediterranean Sea. This section of land was a cross point for people groups coming and going from Asia to Europe. This is where the early descendants of Heath would settle by the 1900 BCs. Some sources even say earlier than that. It's believed that before the Hittites arrived in Asia Minor around the 1900s BC, that a people group referred to as the Hatti people lived there. The original people group that lived there often called the Hashans. And the term Hittite means the newer tribes of people that were Indo-European. What makes it even more confusing is that the Assyrians and Egyptian records call this area Hatti land, even though the Hashans had long been integrated into the Hittite culture by the time the records were written. The Hittites controlled much of the Asia Minor region along what we call the Promised Land, or the Land of Canaan. The Hittites really had two time periods in their history. Scholars call these the Old Kingdom 
and the new kingdom. The old kingdom period isn't a time of great power for the Hittites, but it was a time of expansion. It's believed to have been the years 1700 and 1500 BC. This is why Abraham bought land from the Hittites to bury Sarah in, because the Hittites were already expanded into the land of Canaan. They would still be there and in control when Esau took his wives from the Hittite people as well. Between the Old Kingdom and the New Kingdom would be a hundred years of what is called by scholars as the Dark Age, because very little detail is known of the Hittites. During this 100 years, it would span the years 1500 to 1400 BC, which is the exact time period that the Israelites left Egypt in 1446 BC. The New Kingdom is also known as a time for the rise and fall of the Hittite Empire during the years of 1400 to 1200 BC. It would reach its peak of power in the mid-1300s BC. During the New Kingdom, the empire would become a strong enough superpower in the world that they would attack Babylon and Assyria. Eventually, as an empire, they would become a superpower that was on the level of Egypt and Assyria. Eventually, the empire would fall, and the cities of the empire would become city-states in which it kept the culture alive of the Hittites. This later group of people would be called the Neo-Hittites, but we're not there in history yet. But the Bible would continue to call them the Hittites, and that is why we will see them still around all the way up till King David's time period. To give a little bit of cultural background on the Hittites, the king was considered to be the ultimate ruler of the land. In times of war, he would be the military leader that led his troops out in battle. During the peacetime, he was the supreme judge. In reality, this is how most kingdoms and empires worked in ancient times. The king or chieftain, if it was a tribe, would be the ultimate ruler, military leader, and judge all in one. They wore a lot of different hats. And just like the Egyptian king, the Hittite king was the connection between the gods and the people. For the Hittites, the king was specifically set up to be the representative of the storm god. And when the king died, he himself was expected to become a god as well. Like many other surrounding nations, they worshipped many gods and goddesses. The capital of the Hittites, Anatolia, was rich in metals, specifically silver and iron. When the Hittites became a superpower in their own right, they would help initiate what is now known in world history as the Iron Age. In world history, the Hittite Empire is known to have many conflicts with Egypt and later the Assyrians. However, that isn't until a later time in Israel's history. So we'll get to that at another time period as well. For now, this should give an idea of who the Hittites were. When the Israelites showed up at the land of Canaan, the Hittites were between the Old Kingdom and the New Kingdom, so they were not yet a superpower. However, they still had influence in the land of Canaan because they had been there since the time of Abraham. Although we only talked about the two different people groups in this episode, in the next episode, we will finish talking about the different people groups that lived within the land of Canaan. For now, 
We will leave the Israelites on their journey away from the land of Canaan, as they were not able to step into the promises that God had given them because of fear of the people that lived there. So join us next time in episode 55, The People of the Promised Land Part 2, as we'll continue looking at the different tribes and nations of the Promised Land. Until next time, remember that you are loved, special, and worthwhile.